during the uh, lockdown, me and Heinz, we got really into gardening and growing vegetables. Um, and we started small in our back garden with a little veg bed. Uh, but about a year ago, we decided that without loads of experience, that since we could get lettuce and courgettes to grow, we were clearly ready for an allotment. So we decided to upgrade our little two square meter veg bed for a 250 square meter allotment. And um, it's had its challenges along the way, but we really, really love our allotment. We've managed to grow um, all sorts of different things. Some pictures on the screen. I know, right? Those are our pumpkins, potatoes. What else did we grow? Tomatoes, beans, kale, sunflowers. Heinz is also my personal photographer, so he always makes me look great. Um, but something that has helped us along the way because we really were amateurs when we started, were our allotment neighbours, like Dinger, who's in his 60s, and he taught us that we should always make sure to cover our sweet corn, because otherwise the badgers will eat them. Um, or Pete, who is retired, but he taught us that the random thing growing on our plot that we thought was a weed was in fact lovage. And we've also been able to offer our help to others as well, like John, who had to have knee surgery, and we were able to offer him practical help whenever he needed it. You know, I think what we've experienced on our allotment is a real sense of family. All of these different people, totally unrelated, of all different ages, coming together and sharing life with one another. I know a few weeks ago, John Wright spoke to us about being joined and held together, as it says in Ephesians, and the importance of community as we seek to be one body with one purpose, which is our vision for this year. He encouraged us to come together over our differences, embracing others of a different ethnicity or political persuasion, for example. But today, as we lean into this idea of family, because after all, it is Mother's Day, I want to focus on the importance of intergenerational relationships and how we can embrace those of a different age to ourselves. Because after all, that is what family is. Now, the language of family, it runs all the way through the Bible. God establishes his kingdom through the family of Abraham in Genesis, and it runs all the way through to Jesus, who then uses the analogy of family to explain how he wants his followers to relate to him and also to each other. For example, in Matthew 12, Jesus' family, they, they come to see him. And when he hears that they're there, he doesn't immediately just run straight over to them. Instead, he turns to his followers and he refers to them as his family. Now, he's not rejecting his, mothers and mothers, his mother and brothers in this moment or trying to negate the importance of family. But instead, what he's doing is he's looking to expand it, to create a huge extended family that includes any and everybody who chooses to follow him. Now, this was not a throwaway comment from Jesus. You know, on top of the fact that Jesus was extending this invitation to all of his followers, which would have included groups of people who actually hated each other, like the Jews and the Gentiles, for the people he was addressing, the importance of family would have been massive. 
You know, the family network was so valued in the culture of that time. And I think that because of that, it would have given them a framework to help them understand what Jesus' expectation was. But I think our culture looks very, very different to that. You know, we're much more individualistic. Our sense of community and family responsibility has lessened over time. And so our focus tends to be a bit more towards the self than the community or the family network. And as a result, I think we're starting to see greater division and detachment between different generations. But I know that for me personally, having relationships with people of different ages across the church has had a huge impact on my life and on my faith. You know, I grew up in a church that didn't have loads and loads of young people. So when I came to Trent, it was actually really incredible to find friendship with other people my age. And so what I'm not saying is that we should just disregard the value of connection with our peers because we really, really need that too. And we need spaces to invest in our kids and youth and students and young adults in a way that is relevant to them. But what I am saying is that we need both and because what also helped was getting to know people like Rhiannon, who wasn't actually that much older than me, but who was always there to listen and to challenge me in my faith. Or Sam McDermott, who literally took hours out of her week this week to share her wisdom and experience with me to help me to prepare this talk. Or Susie Aldridge, who has walked with me since I was a student and actually performed our wedding four years ago. You know, it is so wonderful having friendships with those who are older than me, but also those who are younger than me. You know, me and Heinz, we, we lead a student small group. And uh, though I am admittedly now nearly a decade older than some of them, every week they are teaching us new things. To be honest, I, I actually think half the time they should be leading us. You know, Jesus calls us to this and he makes it such a huge part of his vision for his church, then surely it's got to be important. Surely we've got to figure out how we can do this well. And so the question I want us to, uh, want us to think about today is how do we become family to each other? How can we be family to one another? And so to help us with this, I want to look at what Paul says in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. And um, in this chapter, he's writing to the believers in Colossae, and he's instructing them on what their lives should look like now that they're following Jesus. So it says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness or gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, what's really interesting is that Paul emphasizes the importance of personal relationships. It's as if how we do community and how we treat one another is an indication of how we've been transformed by Jesus. 
And the first thing that Paul advises we do as God's chosen people, as his family, is that we are supposed to clothe ourselves. Now, I'm really pleased to see that everybody clothed themselves this morning. But of course, he's not talking about physical garments, is he? He is saying, clothe yourself with these different attributes, compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. Now, I am aware that for some of us, the subject of family might be really, really hard. You know, maybe as soon as I mentioned this is what we were going to be thinking about, it immediately jarred with you. Maybe, like the guy said earlier, the fact that it is Mother's Day has already felt tricky. And so I don't want to make light of this topic. You know, family can be really hard. But I think that because it can be difficult, that is why it's important for us to clothe ourselves in these things, that we take intentional steps to put on kindness and gentleness and patience. Because if we want to do family well, these are all the things that we're going to need. You know, clothing yourself, it might look like in a moment of frustration, not reacting in the way we might usually be tempted to or taking time to think through a response to something, or choosing to say something that is encouraging. Now, unfortunately, when we give our lives to Jesus, we don't automatically become these super patient, kind people, if only. You know, we need to be a little bit intentional about it. But what is really wonderful is that all of these attributes, it says in Galatians 5, are given to us through the Holy Spirit. And so when we do find it hard to be these things, we can lean on him and into him and ask him to help us to do this. Now, the thing about clothing is that when somebody is wearing something, you see it on them immediately, don't you? So these things that Paul mentions, kindness, compassion, gentleness, you know, they're internal, but when somebody really carries them, you see it on the outside, now, many of you guys might know Paul and Jenny McDonald. They are in their early 70s, and they like to refer to themselves as the honorary student grandparents. And it's true, I agree, they're legends. And um, they are amazing at seeking out friendships with younger people. Often, they are undoubtedly the most popular people in a room at any student event. And it's because they are covered in these things that Paul talks about in this passage. You know, they have clothed themselves with compassion and kindness and extended that towards people who need a surrogate grandparent. And it shows. But when I spoke to them in the week, they were really quick to make it clear to me that these friendships that they've built with younger people, they go both ways. And actually, as they give out to others, they would consider themselves to be equally, if not more, blessed by those friendships in return. You know, what's wonderful as well is that I know that it's not just Paul and Jenny who are doing this. I know that I could say similar things about a number of people who are in this room. But I guess the first question that I have for us is, what are you clothing yourself in? When you come to church on a Sunday, are you here for a nice service? Or are you here to clothe yourself in compassion? or patience towards those who might be different to you, whether that is because of your age or because of something else. 
You know, if we're up for being this family that Jesus calls us to be, we're gonna need compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But are we up for doing the internal work that is gonna impact our external relationships? So the next thing that Paul encourages us to do is he says, bear with one another and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, I grew up with an older brother, David, and though we get on well now, and he's getting married in three weeks, and I'm very excited about it, um, our childhood years were a little bit tumultuous. One moment we would be happy playing together, and the next moment there would be tears, probably mine. He tripped me down the stairs once. I developed exceptional aim at throwing hairbrushes at him. And um, I remember one time, and please, please don't judge me for any of this, because it was a really, really long time ago. I repent. Um, but he, he wouldn't let me have the last packet of crisps in the cupboard. I know. So what I did was I took the packet of crisps, I crunched them all up in the packet, and I tipped the packet of crisps over his head, because if I couldn't have them, he couldn't have them either. Isn't that shocking? You know, I love my brother. I love him. He's wonderful. And I always have done. But even people who we deeply love can have the ability to frustrate us at times, can't they? And I think that's why Paul puts this in here and says that we need to bear with one another because bearing with people is really hard. We need a reminder of it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian, in reference to this passage in Colossians, he says this, we don't merely bear one another's burdens. The true burden is bearing one another. We overlook offence. We forgive. We show mercy and grace. We disabuse ourselves of our own pipe dreams and illusions of Christian community in order for the power of that community to take effect. You know, being family, it means putting up with other people's stuff. And unfortunately, where our own families aren't perfect, where we as individuals are not perfect, the people that we interact with at church aren't always going to act exactly how we want them to either. The reality is we might find ourselves sat next to somebody who is vastly different to us. And in the same way that I might have had to come together and sit around the dinner table with my brother after a fight, we have to find a way to come together even if we disagree. Because in Christ, we are family. You know, we'll all have differences, you know, differences of opinion, of life experience. Somebody who is 20 has grown up in a vastly different world to somebody who's in their 60s. And that will mean that they've picked up different ways of thinking, of speaking or of doing things. Bearing with one another is not always going to be easy. But actually, we have a God who bore the penalty for us when we really were the ones who were in the wrong. You know, he bears with us and he extends his infinite grace and forgiveness. You know, that's the kind of God that he is. And that's the kind of family he wants us to be to one another. You know, there have been plenty of times, I mean plenty, where I have had to forgive my brother Dave for the things that might have hurt me. 
to be honest, there are probably more moments where he's had to forgive me. But you know what? I'm so grateful for that because he is my family and I don't want to live with divisions between us. Now, it doesn't mean we didn't face any consequences when we did hurt each other. I can't imagine my parents were thrilled about the crisp incident. Can't remember what they did, but I know they weren't happy about it. But it does mean choosing to be patient and forgive for the sake of that relationship. So we know that we need to bear with one another. We need to clothe ourselves in compassion and all the rest. But as we've already established, these things start with the internal. So if we want to live this out, what is it that's going to bring about this actual real internal change? Well, Paul says that over all of these things, we need to have actual genuine love for one another. You know, it has to start with our hearts. Because when we love one another, we're not just like being nice to each other. It actually means that our motivation for these compassionate, kind, and patient actions comes from being in pursuit of something that is far greater than ourselves. It means we're pursuing each other. We're setting aside ourselves and our preferences in order to prefer others. You know, there's a beautiful example of what this looks like in the Bible between two women called Ruth and Naomi. Now, Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law, and when her husband and two sons passed away, she tried to encourage her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, to, to leave her, to go back to their own families and their own homes. But despite Naomi's best efforts, she was unable to convince Ruth to leave, because Ruth loved Naomi She was so committed to her that she was willing to sacrifice the opportunity to get remarried, to go home to her own family in order to support this elderly widow. Now, for most of us, loving each other won't have to come with so deep a sacrifice, but I wonder, are we willing to get a little bit uncomfortable in pursuit of this kind of loving friendship? Let me tell you about um, Sarah and Grace. Both of those guys are part of our church. Sarah is in her early 40s and Grace is a student. And a few years ago, when Grace moved to Nottingham from Indonesia to study, she she was finding things quite difficult. And so when she couldn't go home for Christmas in that first year, she was expecting it to be quite lonely until she met Sarah. So they got chatting uh, one Sunday in the Connect area. And after having known her for 15 minutes, Grace said, Sarah had invited her to join her family for Christmas Day. Now, since then, Sarah and her husband, Sam, they've continued to invite Grace into their home, even having her stay with them for four months during the lockdown when she couldn't return home to Indonesia. What started as a way of supporting a younger person who otherwise would have been on her own over the Christmas holidays, quickly became what Sarah called a genuine friendship. She now refers to Grace as her student daughter. And she told me that Grace is like an extra role model to their children. What a beautiful picture. But one of the things that's been so profound for Grace is that this relationship with Sarah and Sam, it's helped her to restore some of the ideas that she had around family. 
she uh, told me that she's had some quite tricky experiences growing up as a child. But she said, I got to see what a good family dynamic could look like, which gave me hope for my own family. In fact, having Sarah and Sam walk alongside her as she processed some of this past pain has helped her to actually restore her own relationship with her parents. Radical goodness made such an impact, Grace said. You know, this, this is what family looks like. Now, you might not be in a position right now where you could open your house up quite like Sarah and Sam did, but where could you start? You know, Sarah and Grace, they had a conversation for 15 minutes in the Connect area. Could you do that at the end of this service? Find somebody you've never met before and start up a conversation. You know, could you come forward and pray for somebody at the end who is older or younger than yourself? And it, you know, it doesn't even have to be that they're that much older or that much younger. You know, when we learn to love each other across generations and differences, Paul says that this is when we will see perfect unity, perfect harmony. And I know what you're thinking. Sounds like a little bit of effort, doesn't it? Remind us again why this is worth it. Well, because of Sarah and Grace, because of Paul and Jenny, because like me, so many of you will have your own experience and stories of what it's like to have somebody who is like a spiritual mother or father and to have friendships with people who are younger than you that inspire you and bless you. You know, some of us might be raring and ready to go. We've got ideas. We're ready to jump straight into this. But for others of us, it needs to start with the internal. It needs to start with some of the stuff we're holding in our hearts and our minds, maybe even some of our attitudes. You know, maybe we have been hurt either by our own family or, or church family in the past. Maybe we've written ourselves off because we think that we're too old or we're too young for certain kinds of friendships. But if we want to be family, this is an invitation for every single one of us. You know, remember the allotment, that wonderful community of people of different ages coming together to share life with one another. You know, if we want to grow and produce good fruit, we need each other. In the words of Pastor Agu Aruku, thank God for the wisdom of the elders, but we need the energy and drive. It's so true. We need everybody to make this work. So let's clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. Let's bear with one another and forgive, and let's do it all from a place of love that allows us to be in perfect unity this beautiful picture of church family across every generation in Christ.